Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. It can look like the fast-talking guy or girl who's always out there manipulating people and kind of working an angle, and you're like, man, such a selfish person. Or on the other end of the spectrum, it could be the quiet person who is always lamenting how terrible their life is, how everyone is mean to them, how every time you get around them, you just, oh my gosh, because. In, in a similar way, although different, they're turning the attention all to themselves, right? the decisions we make in life naturally stem from a desire to do what will benefit ourselves. In our families, churches, or workplaces, how often do we take the time to think about how a choice might harm or benefit those around us? As Pastor Ricky continues to lead us through Philippians in today's message, we're challenged to step outside of our selfie culture and start living lives that are focused on serving Christ and others over our own interests. Let's join Pastor Ricky now for part two of his message, Serving in a Selfie World, from the book of Philippians, chapter two. Outside of Christ, cut off from the happiness of God and the source of our happiness and joy in God, cut off from his encouragement and comfort and and participation with him, the way that we see the world is that we're like trying to fight and squabble over little bits of joy and happiness with other people, right? Well, I need that promotion, right? Because I don't know if I'll ever get another one. I don't have any other sources of goodness. Or I need this relationship, right? How dare you try to steal my boyfriend or whatever, right? I I need this thing. I've got to have this new iPhone. And and we begin to like fight and squabble and, 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 and it just becomes like the world is a wreck that way. But see, this is a mind shift because, because Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Stop looking down, but look up, right? See that the Lord cares for you. See the wave of encouragement that is endless for you in Christ. Feel the comfort from love that God loves you. Experience the participation of the Spirit. And from that place, when your eyes go from looking downward to looking upward, you're finally ready to live outward and to care about others. So let's move to step number two, living outward the joy of being others-focused. This is kind of a two-step process. I love what Paul does here. Rather than just say, hey, stop living inward, live outward. No, he says, no, no, first look up, see that the Lord will provide all you need, and then live outward. Paul says, complete my joy by caring about one another. See, Paul is calling back to uh, Chapter one, verse five, where he says that their partnership in the gospel brings him joy. And now he says, complete my joy by being others-focused. Now, this is an extraordinary statement, okay? Paul is in prison, remember? I can think of a lot of things that could bring Paul joy. Uh, Here's a small list. Uh, Decent food and not gruel would probably bring Paul some joy. Or public vindication in front of his countrymen and all the Romans would bring him joy. Or how about this, being freed from prison would probably bring Paul's joy. And and he goes, no, 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 whatever about that stuff. You know what I really want to complete my joy, to give me the full package? You guys being others focused. See, he's modeling exactly what he's telling the Philippians to do. 
He's saying, you guys be others focused. You know what I really, really, really want that would make me happy? You guys being others focused because he's concerned about them, not himself. Paul's joy is found in the flourishing of other people around him. Paul's joy is found in the flourishing of the other believers around him. And this is not just Paul's joy. This should be true of every Christian. Our joy is found in the flourishing of others around us. But we have a culture that makes it really difficult for us to do this. We are a culture that trumpets individualism and independence. And now I'll totally acknowledge we have time to get into all the aspects of this. There are aspects of that that are good, but there is such a strong cultural pull toward those things that we can get twisted inward, right? Take, for example, the American dream, which you could sum up in, in saying, okay, I want to make more money than my parents. I want to have a nice house. I want to have time and money for leisure. I want somebody that makes me feel special and kids that bring me joy, right? That, that entire dream is defined in terms of self, especially that phrase I hear from everybody all the time. I want to find someone who makes me feel special, right? And you're like, but so their point is to make you feel special? How do you find somebody that, that you think is special and you want to make? No, never mind. But that's just for free. <laughs> the American dream is not exactly what Paul is describing here. Paul's dream is this. I want to help everyone around me flourish. I want to make sure they're okay. I want to make sure they have enough to eat. I want to make them feel special. I want to bring them joy. That's the, the Pauline dream, right? He's living the dream, people, in a Roman prison. And he's saying, you know what? I need one more thing, though. If I could have just one more thing. You guys have the same mindset as I do. Man, that would, that would just make it. It would, it would complete my dream. Man, do you feel the difference of how, like, radical that feels like to Americans? I bet you, in your mind, you're raising objections. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about, you know, this independent thing? And what about this good individualism? And we want to work hard, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we're going to get to that exception in a minute. But I want you to feel the difference between what we culturally value and what Paul is saying we should value, okay? We need to feel that. So first, remember that we are not wired to be obsessed with ourselves, we are wired to find our happiness in God and our joy in God. We start there. But then as God acts for the flourishing of good of others, we follow his example and we act for the flourishing and good of others. And we find, surprise, surprise, that we experience true joy. Paul is not making this up. Okay, he's not just using a rhetorical device saying, you know what would really make me happy? If you would do, like, like a mom that's fresh here with his kid, you know what would make me happy if for once in your life, you would pick up your room? That would make me, you know, Paul is not, he doesn't have that attitude. He's saying, man, I really do experience tons of joy when I see you guys flourishing. And if I could get anything in the world, it would see you flourish more in your relationship with Christ. Yes. Like he experiences real joy and so do we as we follow his example. So let's break this down into some key categories. What does it look like to live outward? First, live outward in your mind. Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This phrase being of one mind means literally thinking the same thing. Complete my joy by thinking the same thing. 
If you've ever played in a team sport, right, where the coach draws up a play and everyone hits the court or hits the field with the same drawing in their minds, you know what Paul is talking about, right? Complete my joy of all having the same play as you take the field. That's what he's saying. But it goes deeper than just sort of a play on a chalkboard. It's, he adds this, having the same love. So it's not just being united in our minds, but united in our hearts, right? So the coach can draw up a play, but it's only half of what the coach does, right? The other half of what he does at half, and so at halftime, he's saying, hey, we need to make these adjustments. You guys need to play up this, this way. You guys need to come around the back. You need to support this person. But then what, is it, what else does the coach do? The coach unites the hearts of the team, right? He, he gives that like rousing halftime movie speech where everybody cheers at the end and takes the field. So it's not just, okay, here's the play we're going to run, but it's like, yes, we're going to run this play because our hearts and minds are united together. So where do, we, where do we as Christians find this rousing speech, this play we're supposed to run? Remember the headline, chapter 1, verse 27, live as worthy gospel citizens. This is under that, right? So he's saying, live as worthy gospel citizens, running the same play, united in heart. We're to have the mind of Christ and love and serve others. And our hearts should be filled with love for one another because we have been united by Christ. We are gospel citizens. That's what it looks like to live outward. One of the greatest ways you can be others-focused is by having the same mind and the same love, but it takes attention and it takes work. It means going back again and again to the gospel and thinking through the implications of what that means. And the more, listen, here's, here's the reality. The more we focus on unity with one another and just trying to like one another, we actually don't produce real unity. The more that we focus on the gospel and our hearts and minds are united to something outside of us, the more we actually do experience true unity. So the way you get to unity is not by running at unity, but by running at the gospel. That's where we start. Second, live outward in your math. So Paul says, don't do this and do do this, right? Don't do this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but... In humility, count others more significant than yourself. Now, two mindsets he's contrasting here. First mindset, your thoughts are all about you. Your goals in life are all about you. Now, this, this can look a couple different ways. It can look like the fast-talking guy or girl who's always out there manipulating people and kind of working an angle, and you're like, man, such a selfish person, or... On the other end of the spectrum, it could be the quiet person who is always lamenting how terrible their life is, how everyone is mean to them, how every time you get around them, you're just like, oh my gosh. Because in, in a similar way, although different, they're turning the attention all to themselves, right? It could be both and somewhere, anywhere in the middle on the spectrum. All the thoughts are, does it benefit me? But here's the other mindset. You start with humility, and humility just means having a right view of yourself. But I think it's more than that. Um, Rick Warren says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I love that. It's not thinking less of yourself, like, I'm just the worst. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's from that place that you count others as more significant than yourself. You're thinking of yourself less and others more. And this means changing the math you do in your head. I love he uses this phrase, count others 
more significant than yourself, right? We sort of walk through life approaching situations where we, if you were to like force yourself to assign a point value to everything that happened, this is the way we do math. Does it benefit me? Ding, 100 points. Does it benefit someone else? Ding, five points, right? I mean, because maybe it helps a little bit. So the last donut, right, in the office environment, you think, oh, how good did that donut taste? You're doing the math, 100 points, good. Oh, but Larry, Larry's been working on this project all weekend, and it's been hard, and, and I could give him the donut, and that would be five points good. And so you're just, you're making that, you're doing the math, and you're like, ah, uh, okay, taking the donut. Hey, Larry. Like, right? Right? We're just, this is, and we don't even realize that we're constantly adding all this up. We need to change our math a little bit is what Paul is saying. From our thoughts being absorbed with ourselves to our thoughts being absorbed with others. From our ambitions and gold being about ourselves to them being also about others. So consider this week. How do you do math? How do you add up? And especially, let me just say this, especially in the home too, where like even in your marriage, you can kind of be like, well, if I do this, this could benefit that person a little bit, but I've had a long week, right? Or I've been tired or whatever. It's just, we need to change the way we do math. And the third, we need to live outward in our sight. Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is shaping where we look. Now, here's where I do insert a, a very important qualification to all of this. This is super, super key. Paul says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, Paul is not saying that we never look to our own interest at all, that we sort of engage in self-destructive behavior, that we just allow people to take advantage of us in every respect. Like, can I have 20 bucks? Sure. I'm just living outward, you know? Like, did you, did you shower? No, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about other people. Right? If you showered, it would actually serve other people probably, but... But just doesn't the strange sort of monkish, like, oh, I'm just not thinking about myself. No, it doesn't mean that you just drain your bank account every day for whatever needs are right in front of you. No, there needs to be planning. But there's a lot of scripture about that, right? Read the book of Proverbs, read many other sections of the Bible. But Paul is pointing something out. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests. So Paul is not even saying, make sure you look to your interests. He is assuming that we will look to our own interests, right? Because our natural bent is to look to our own interests. <laughs> we don't have to be told, like your two-year-old or three-year-old doesn't have to be told, make sure you look out for your own interests. They arrive looking out for their own interests, right? Not your interests. They're not like, oh, mother, how can I serve you today, right? <laughs> One of our big battles is not saying, mom, I want, no, no, no. What is mom doing? How do you ask politely, right? You have to like adjust them. So Paul knows that about us. So maybe, maybe one person out of a hundred really is engaging a sort of kind of self-destructive, just not thinking about themselves, not caring for themselves. Okay, you do need to be adjusted then if you're in that place. But for the 99 of us, he says, don't just care about your interests, but also to the interests of others. And he, said, he talks about this in terms of vision. Look not only to your interests, but also to, the, 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 vision, the, to the, the interests of others. This changes the way you see the world. And I experienced this when I began dating my wife, right? At first, I would walk through life 
and I don't know if you experienced this, but like you're walking through the mall or whatever, and, and immediately you're like, oh, I like that place, I don't like that place. I like that place, not that place. This place good, that place bad, right? You're all, it's all through the lens of like, what do I like, what do I not like? Like, ooh, pretzel, like, ooh, not that thing. You know, it just, and it's not like we have to think that. We just consciously go, I like this style, I don't like that thing. And yet I found something strange. When I began dating Jen, I realized like, other things started appearing on my radar. Like she, she loves this one like natural organic, like handmade soap company thing. It used to be in the, it's in the DC area. And I have like no interest in cool natural handmade soap, right? That was like not on my radar. But now because I know Jen, when I walk by the store, it's like ding, oh, oh, there it is, right? I just didn't even realize it existed, but suddenly because of Jen, it does exist. Look at that place, right? Or like the paper company store, like cool paper and stationery, like whatever. But now, like it's like ding, oh look. And, and my vision, if I could have like a heads up display, I've got, you know, a bunch of stuff that I like and a bunch of stuff that Jen likes. And, and this is what Paul is talking about. Don't look, like naturally, those things are gonna pop up on your display, but also look to the interests of others. Like, oh, this thing would bless that person. Or this thing could really serve that person. Or this Bible verse I'm reading, this could, this could really serve my friend who's going through a trial, right? You look, the way you look at the world is not through just your own interests, but the interests of others. And so, let me ask you, friend, how do you see the world? And are there ways in which you need to adjust it, to, to look at how the, the world will serve and benefit your spouse, your kids, your community group, the others around you? All right, so let's begin to wrap this up. Here's the key thing about our focus in the church. Living inwardly or outwardly tends to ripple in the church. The culture of the church is gonna beat whatever mission statement we have on a screen every time. We could put up on a screen, live for others, but that doesn't do anything to affect the culture of the way we live. That's all set by the way we interact during the week in a community group in a thousand million tiny interactions. And so here's what I want you to feel. We together have the responsibility to build a culture the way that Paul is describing, to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the Lord and then outward to others. And this is critically important, critically important as we think about moving forward. Here's two examples. Pastor Kent Hughes shares the following story about how this thing ripples out. When a certain church in Dallas became divided, the rift was so bitter that each side instituted a lawsuit seeking to dispossess the other from the church's property. This despite churches, uh, the scripture's warnings about taking such matters before public courts. The story, of course, hit the Dallas newspapers and garnered considerable interest from the readers. The judge rules, ruled wisely that it was not the province of the court to decide such matters until the case had been heard before the denomination's church court. So the dispute was remanded to the ecclesiastical court where eventually the decision was made to award the real estate and properties to one of the sides. The losers withdrew and formed another church nearby. It was reported in the Dallas newspaper, no doubt with some delight, that the church court eventually traced the trouble to its source. You ready for this? The trouble began when at a church dinner, an elder had been served a smaller slice of ham than a child seated next to him. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, what? But here's the thing. 
Like, I read that and I'm like, yep, I could totally see it, right? Because what happens is, is our selfishness and self-focus ripples out and affects all the people around us. And those four people affect eight people. And those eight people affect 16 people. And those 16 affect 32 people. And those 32 affect 64, right? So the, half of the church is affected, half of the church is affected. The simple beginning of selfishness and self-focus rippled through the church. We drift there naturally. But the opposite is also true. Acts of others' focus tend to ripple out as well. An article I read this week about the longest running pay-it-forward streak ever at a Starbucks went like this. It all started at 7.21 a.m. yesterday morning when a woman paid for her iced coffee and decided to pay for the caramel macchiato the customer behind her ordered as well. For the next 10 hours, more than 450 customers at the drive-thru graciously accepted the kindness of strangers and then paid for the next customer's order. Our barista would tell the customers, well, your drink has already been paid for by the previous customer, so I guess would you like to return the favor and pay it forward? But that all came to a halt at 6 p.m., when a woman pulled up in her white Jeep commander and ordered an iced coffee. Quote, she didn't want to pay for the next customer. I don't think she understood the concept of pay it forward. <laughs> and then I love this, the way the article ends. But the random acts of kindness began anew today, Guzman said, when one customer bought a $40 gift card for the next customer at the drive-thru. See, acts of others' focus, even just in a secular environment, ripple outward, even in the world. So here's the point. How much more should it ripple outward in the church where constantly we are reminded what the Lord has paid forward to us, right? The encouragement in Christ given to us, the comfort of the love of God given to us, the participation of the Spirit given to us. And, and every day it begins anew where we look at our divine bank account and see not only are our sins wiped away, but the righteousness of Christ is credited to us. The love of God is in our heart. And every day we have the opportunity to love and serve others and watch it ripple out. So here's the thing. My earnest prayer is this, that our church keeps this culture. I am so aware, guys, that I am not preaching a message like, hey, we should do this. This whole message has been, guys, let us not lose who we are. <laughs> let us not become kind of a two-service culture where it's just like, oh, everything, how does it affect me? No, let us maintain the culture that we've had for 30 years where we receive the encouragement of Christ and every day, every week, pass that on to others. Hoping God, oh my soul, he is strong in So glad that you tuned in today to Better News Radio for Pastor Ricky's study through the happiest book in the Bible. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard today and that Jesus' joy is filling you up. If you ever find that you have any questions or would like to share a prayer request with us, please give us a call at 915-562-7100. We love that we can pray for our listeners, so don't hesitate. That phone number again is 915-562-7100. Or you can email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. 
We'd also like to invite you to visit our website, betternewsradio.com. There you can listen to today's message again or search through our archive of previous teachings by Pastor Ricky. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to receive the latest messages as soon as they're available. Pastor Ricky has created an introduction video for our website visitors, telling you about the gospel message and why it's vital for the world today. Watch it online and find out more about the ministry of Better News Radio at betternewsradio.com. While we'd love to spend more time with you today, sadly, that brings us to our conclusion. We'd like to encourage you to read ahead in the book of Philippians and let the Holy Spirit guide your own time of study. He might just reveal something you never would have caught before. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to hear more from Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.